0: Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day.
1: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
0: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials. Today, we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus, I'm Nick Seipel. This week, John Rosevier returns to the show once again to update us on the latest in EV news. John, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nick. Uh, Great to have you back on. I think every time I've had you on the past year, I've said, man, we've got a lot to talk about, today (laughs) is no different. Uh, let's, Let's lead off the bat and talk about what's going on with new startups, new vehicles entering the electric vehicle space. The one that's gotten a bunch of headlines in the past week or so is that Lucid is coming to market with their Lucid Air vehicle and they released a data point in the past week or so that the Lucid Air Dream Edition R will have 520 miles of approved range. That's 100 miles more than its closest competitor. What does this mean for you, John, as someone who follows the electric vehicle industry?
1: Well. Lucid is an interesting company. I mean, I, the CEO, uh, Peter Rawlinson, uh, is a Tesla veteran. He was actually chief engineer on the Model S back in the day. Uh, he has conceived this for a long time as sort of Tesla 2.0. It's what you buy after the Tesla. Uh, so the Lucid Air, uh, you can option it up to almost $170,000. It's a serious luxury car. Uh, but what it means here is that we've been hearing from them for a few years now. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Well, they've delivered on the range claim. Uh, you know, all versions of the Lucid Air get over 400 miles of range on the EPA test cycle. Uh, you know, it's a good sign. It's a bullish sign. Uh, the, the special long-range high-end edition gets, you know, what, what did you say? 520 or something? Yeah, 520. Um, it, it's a good sign for the company that that they're delivering. And now, with production expected to start sometime in the next few weeks, uh, we'll see what the actual cars are looking like—the production versions.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned uh, that this is a car that, that has yet to go into full-on uh, production, but if you looked at the valuation of the company, uh, you would think they were firing on on full cylinders So it came public via SPAC in late July. When I last looked at it, you're looking at around a 40 billion dollar market cap. I mean that's against Ford's around 50 billion. So you're getting big valuation here when you look at the potential um, of this company and what do you see as the potential energy inside, can it live up to this 40 billion valuation? How do you think about that?
1: It's a bit of a stretch. Well, it it depends on whether we apply traditional auto metrics or, you know, Tesla metrics. Um, (laughs) It's it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, this is Lucid uh, at least for the near term is operating in a high-end luxury space uh, you know they're not going to be selling a million vehicles a year anytime soon if they if they do you know 40 fifty thousand of the air a couple years out I think they'll be pretty happy uh, the plan is uh, not unlike Tesla's secret master plan from years ago to start with the high-end and move down over time as they build scale as costs come down and so forth uh, but I, I Lucid has staked out a niche. Uh, I think it's a niche where they can be profitable. I don't know if it's a forty billion niche. I think we're going to have to wait and see how things go over the next couple of years. Uh, that said, I like the company. I like the management team. I like what they've done so far. Uh, they are being advised by some very good people, including former Ford CEO Alan Mulally. Uh, they are going about this the right way, and and you know, there's a lot to like here. Uh, the valuation, it sort of depends on your context. I think. Uh, you know if you're thinking of this in Tesla terms 40 billion isn't expensive if you're thinking of it in legacy auto terms it's a lot of money
0: yeah and th- this is a company that, that- Probably has a, a somewhat credible claim to that the next Tesla branding that we see. Lots of companies trying to brand themselves with because you have the the folks who are who have historically uh, worked at Tesla and scaled up the Model S, trying to follow a similar model with your super high end car, and then hopefully we can expand into other offerings in the future. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. The market thinks you know it's going to be a, it's going to be a glorious future. We'll see the extent to which that. Plays out. So we talked about Lucid's new electric vehicle coming to market and how it's shaking up the game. Well, we have another new player that's doing the same thing. Rivian uh, had their first uh, 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 truck of the R R1T electric pickup roll off its line. That means it's going to beat Ford, GM, Tesla to market with electric trucks. How important is this vehicle to uh, the electric vehicle market? This is the first truck coming.
1: It is, uh, but we should say this isn't a truck like an F150 this is like it's a little smaller more like the size of a Ford Ranger or a Chevy Colorado and it's definitely upscale the entry point on this is over $70,000 it's it's a lifestyle truck it's aimed at people who want to go camping who want to go off road who want to you know go to the cabin in the woods uh, you know, who want to throw a couple of kayaks on it—that uh, kind of thing. It's got a lot of neat features. It's another uh, company where I'm really impressed with the management team and the advisors they've brought in. Uh, the CEO R.J. Skirring is young, but he's made great decisions end to end. You know, they've got—they're working with Ford, who have helped them figure out mass production. Uh, they're working with Amazon, which is an early customer that invested a lot. Uh, both of those companies are investors. Uh, the truck looks really good. Reviews have been Strongly positive. Uh, how many can they sell? I don't know. How many? You know, what is the market for an eighty thousand dollar lifestyle pickup truck, uh, whether it's electric or not? Uh, I, I, I don't think it's huge. Uh, I do think there's you know it, 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 there's a decent business here. Uh, it depends on where they go from here. I think in terms of how big it could eventually get. Uh, but there's a lot to like about the company, you know, as it is.
0: Yeah, uh, that 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 backing, uh, nothing to uh, uh, turn you off there. Those are folks that know a lot about uh, uh, this business and and their needs. Uh, this is another company exploring IPO. There's some rumors that it may come public here in the next few months. The numbers being thrown around is that they're they might maybe targeting an eight billion dollar raise at an eighty billion dollar. Valuation again would be uh, kind of crazy when you talk about how Ford owns a stake in this business and that this company has yet to uh, deliver any vehicles at scale yet seeking an eighty billion dollar valuation again. Do you think uh, kind of same bucket as Lucid here as far as uh, you know? It's a big market, but we'll see how how much of it they can capture.
1: Yeah, I also think this is again. I said the CEO RJ Scurringe, is a smart guy. Um, I think he's looking at the very hot valuations for EV companies generally, and is like let's get this while we can, maybe. <laughs> you know, and that's not any insight. It's just I've been watching the company for a while. I, you know, I've gotten to know them a bit. Uh, I, I I think. You know, they'd sort of be crazy not to raise $8 billion at an $80 billion valuation if the street is going to hand it to them. Sure, let's do it. Let's get some cash in the bank. Uh, we all in autos know that having a big cash reserve is great insurance against a recession. Uh, you know, We learned that the hard way during the 2008-2009 time. Uh, and nearly all of the big established automakers have big cash reserves. So if they take this $8 billion and just put it in the bank or something, uh, that recession proofs the business and ensures that they can keep developing their new products and so forth, even if sales slip during a downturn, as they do in the auto business. Uh, so I think I think they're smart to go public here. Um, again, it's a lot of co- it's a lot of money for what looks right now as a niche company. It could be successful. It could be profitable. Um, but you know, from what we've seen from them so far, uh, it's more of a it's more of a niche player. That said, you know those can be good businesses, and I'm not sure it's an 80 billion business if you're not looking through Tesla colored glasses.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. I was mean, certainly in a business that's trying to scale up production in a capital intensive industry. 8 billion dollars is certainly very helpful part of the Tesla story uh, is being able to to have a really strong valuation to get access to capital to be able to to Absolutely. reach scale and that that's part of why why Tesla succeeded where a lot of other automakers haven't. So, you know, to the extent this valuation is 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 high, uh, that it says something about maybe the potential returns here, but it also says something about their ability to actually get there uh, with production because they have a much lower cost of capital than other folks uh, may have had historically who tried to enter this space we 'll see what happens
1: right, of course, what we have to remember with both lucid and Rivian is how many buyers are there ultimately, you know f- three years from now when Ford and GM are shipping you know commercial ready uh, electric pickups and all that, how many buyers are there and and that to some extent. Uh, will be dependent on their product strategy over the next year or two for both of them. You know, what else are they going to do?
0: Well, that is a perfect transition for me. Uh, John, as we're going to go in to talk about some of these established players, we got some updates from Ford on their electric truck plans uh, here in the past week or so, the first pre-production units of the F-150 Lightning rolling off the line. What should we be paying attention to here uh, with the F-150 Lightning?
1: What I wonder with the F-150 Lightning? I mean, we saw they 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 came out last week or the week before and said we're going to spend 250 million, uh, you know, add more jobs to expand capacity of our new electric truck factory even further, and by even further they mean up to 80,000 a year, if I recall correctly, uh, with 150,000 reservations uh, so far, and you know. Seemingly, the whole business excited about this particular product. I wonder if they're still undershooting a bit. Um, You know, I think we might see more (laughs) expansions as they get out there a year from now. You know, when when those hundred and fifty, you know, when. It'll depend on how well those convert, how well those reservations turn into real orders. But what Ford saw with the Mach E was that a very high percentage, a surprising to them high percentage, uh, did convert into actual orders. And if that happens with the F-150, uh, they're going to be having the happiest problem in the auto business, where they're selling all they could make, and they could sell more if they could make them. Uh, but there may be an issue of ramping supply chain and so forth here. You know, you you can't build more trucks if you can't get the batteries or whatever. So they may be, you know. Walking a line with their suppliers and so on, uh, but it's certainly uh, it's bullish for Ford. It's bullish for electric vehicles generally. I've said for a while on this program and elsewhere that that I think this is this is this is the product that could be the turning point um, for in the U.S. for electric vehicle adoption because you know once people see these and and you know assuming they're as good as Ford's trucks usually are, uh, it, it, the truck will sell itself. And I I, I think. It will really open the gates for a lot of people who wouldn't ever consider a Tesla, but maybe drive one of these at work and go, Whoa, this is really nice. I want one.
0: Right, and certainly the more buyer uptake that we have, the more investment we'll see from these companies trying to realize that uh, that those sales and uh, and on and on down the line, accelerating adoption. One of those things you mentioned was the need for production materials. One of the constraints on actually scaling up electric vehicles isn't just people wanting to buy them; it's us being able to make them, having enough materials to do so, and that ties into the other news item we heard about Ford. Earlier this week, uh, signed uh, uh, and made an investment in Redwood Materials. Uh, this is, uh, you know, the big noteworthy point here is this company's head up is headed up by JB Straubel, who was the longtime CTO of Tesla, was was at Tesla really from the beginning, a big part of, of scaling up their battery operations and really, you know, making the company be able to achieve what it has today. What do you make of this 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 partnership here with Ford and and uh, and, and Redwood Materials?
1: First, we should say JB Straubel is the guy who pitched Elon to get him to invest. Okay, <laughs> I mean, so he's really from the beginning. He was the battery guy from the start. He's a smart guy, uh, and and he has started this business to to recycle and provide recycled materials uh, to the electric vehicle industry. And Ford is putting in fifty million uh, as part of their effort. Um, to to show that they're sincere about this whole green, you know, full life cycle thing. It's something you've got to think about. If you're gonna be pounding out tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of electric vehicles, what happens when we at end of life? What happens to these batteries? And and so they they are uh hoping that Redwood will expand. I mean, they're gonna work with Redwood so that they have access to some facilities and so forth. And they've put in 50 million, which which will fund building some of those facilities for Redwood. Uh yeah, you know, I I don't think it says. I mean, it says that Redwoods for real in their recycling tech is good. Uh, I think um, I don't think it says a lot for Ford except it's another you know proof point for investors that they're serious about this electric vehicle thing, like really serious.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's news for Ford in that it adds to the drumbeat of we're involved in EVs and we're involved with these uh, these exciting players, Tesla Vets, uh, uh, things like that. From the perspective of Redwood, you know. Again they're working with Tesla, they're signing up with Ford really making some some interesting partnerships. If you believe that this industry really does become uh, you know where uh, transportation is going, you could tell a story about how Redwood is a really successful business and becomes an interesting investment um, on its own. We'll have to see what happens there still still very early days. He just left Tesla wet two years ago, so um, still very early days with this company um so moving on from Ford. To GM, we've got some good news with GM. We've got some some bad news with GM. We'll start with the the bad news first. We've got an ongoing recall of the Chevy Bolt EV. Uh, have told owners not to park within 50 feet of other cars due to fire risk. What's going on here?
1: This is, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's egg on GM's face to some extent. Um, but it looks like the problem is with battery cells, which is on their supplier LG Chem uh, and, and it may have been a manufacturing issue. Uh, GM is, is going to do the right thing here. They're not necessarily going to do the right thing in the most polished and PR friendly way, as we've seen, but they do think they have a fix for it now and they are going to replace all the battery packs. Uh, and, and, they, My assumption is that LG is going to end up funding some of this with them, that they will both own it together, uh, which, which is a reasonable outcome. Um, if we can get owners back on the road quickly, uh, then I think this won't matter a whole lot in the long run. But, you know, if it drags out a whole lot longer, uh, I, I don't think it hurts electric vehicle adoption in America, but it's going to be something for GM to overcome.
0: Yeah, and it's one of these things we'll see pop up more and more often, right? There's a long history of recalls in the traditional auto business. I don't think there will be anything different in electric vehicles, but figuring out, you know, who's responsible for what, I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits back and forth between GM and LG trying to figure out how that works and then insurance companies trying to figure out how do, how do I underwrite, you know, total cost of life because, you know, of course there's going to be less maintenance and things like that to go wrong, but uh, you know, if the battery catches fire and the whole thing blows up, of course, that's a catastrophic loss. We're still early days in this business and some of these vehicles have just now been out on the road long enough that uh, things that uh, wouldn't have presented in, in maybe your normal testing will start to present in the real world and we'll see more of this type of stuff. Truth. Yeah, um, on the other side of GM, looking on on the good news you talked about, uh, all the all the reservations for the F one hundred and fifty Lightning. We also talked about the high end Model S Challenger that Lucid is coming out with. Well, GM has it has a high end Model S Challenger as well. Uh, they opened up orders for the twenty twenty three Cadillac Lyric and sold out in nineteen. 19- Minutes. Uh, some critics have said this. This goes to show that the big automakers are consistently underestimating demand for electric vehicles and not uh, uh, ramping up production. What do you make of uh, uh, of this rapid sell off? Is it, uh, does it show they're not making enough of them, or is it show there's just way too much demand they're beating down the doors?
1: There's more demand than they can fulfill. I mean, we we should be clear. We don't have. I don't have any idea how many. <laughs> <laughs> How many? What you know? What the total number of vehicles is here? You know, if it's five hundred, if it's a thousand, if it's twenty thousand, uh, I suspect it's it's probably a few thousand, but I don't know that for sure. But. Uh, you know, it's the same thing we saw with, with Ford and their 150,000 reservations for the Lightning. There's a lot of interest here in these vehicles. Uh, what's lacking is probably still the supply chain, the batteries. The you know, there, there's plenty of lithium in the ground, but it's not coming out as fast as we want yet. Uh, it, you know, battery manufacturing is scaling up. Everybody wants to make sure the quality delivers. Everybody wants to improve the technology, and and you know this this stuff takes time to ramp up. I mean, we're ramping, we're creating a whole alternative supply chain for the entire auto industry around the world. Uh, it it has taken time, and uh, you know, there we've already spent a few years and billions of dollars doing this, uh, and it's all. You know, everybody's used to seeing Tesla ramp up production. Now that's been a big lesson for investors. Now this is all the battery makers, all the component makers, all the motor makers, and you know, all of the other automakers ramping up all of these pieces of the puzzle to make all of these cars. Uh, so I, I, I'm encouraged by the level of demand. Uh, you know, at. Because it means that that when the cars appear, the buyers will appear too, it looks like right now, people are excited about these things. but I you know, I, I think it's a it's a supplier bottleneck right now and and that's why they're aiming too low. And it's not, you know, oh, GM greatly underestimated., um, you know, GM might have underestimated to some extent, but it's also probably GM saying, look, this is the number of vehicles we can make in the first six months or whatever, <laughs> you know, with our supplier agreements and what they're telling us about what they'll be ready for.
0: Yeah, sell outs are never a bad thing. It's just uh, there's always nuance uh, to some of this stuff. So you talked about, uh, supply chains, getting those ramped up. We also got some news uh, from GM about increasing vertical vertical integration uh, on their on their EV motors and and increasing efficiency. What should we be taking away from that uh, as investors?
1: Um, you know, they've developed uh, what appear to be really good new motors. That's not really a surprise. GM has a lot of smart engineering talent, and they've been you know focused on this for several years now. Uh, the vertical integration is kind of interesting. Um, because it goes away from where the auto industry has been in recent decades, where they have a lot of suppliers who are specialists in an electric motor or a specialist in making seats or whatever, uh, and and you know they buy that in, and and it saves them the trouble of developing the stuff in house. But I think. Uh, with EVs, everybody wants to own the tech so it can be a differentiator. Uh, you know, if everybody's buying the same motors, then what's the difference? Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, GM can at least claim special sauce on their own proprietary motors, and and there probably is some special sauce, uh, and Tesla and Ford and everybody else. Uh, also, this might be to some extent be a reaction to the chip shortage, where they want to control the supply. Um, you know, if if you're wondering about uncertainties in U.S.-China relations going forward, uh, you probably don't want to be buying everything from suppliers in Shenzhen and Shanghai and and so forth. It's you know, it's about having certainty and having control and so forth. And and again, it's it it's a sign that this is for real. Uh, I'm not sure we needed more signs of that from GM, but, but here's another one there, developing the technology in-house. I, I don't think this is hugely bullish or anything that investors need to jump up and down or worry about either way. Uh, it's another step on the path. But, you know, it's not surprising and, and we can see why they're doing it probably.
0: Right, part of this drumbeat of, of we really care about electric vehicles. We're putting a lot of chips down on this. We're making investments, and uh, you know, when you mention, you know, maybe, maybe there's not this big differentiation in in uh, in motors, but but you'll see the companies talk about it. You know, I think that's endemic in the auto industry, as everything has its own special brand. Right? We're seeing that in the in the eight ass oh, and all course. that stuff too.
1: Of course, you know, you want the Chevy V eight, not the Ford V eight, or you know, or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's how it's always gone. Yeah, this is as I say when GM and Ford's Bicker over things. This is a hundred year, you know, rivalry. And and they're not going to change course on tactics because this stuff, because they've evolved uh, techniques, engineering, manufacturing, and marketing that work. <laughs> and they're gonna try and carry those into the electric era.
0: Yeah, it's that, you know, uh, it's the new auto industry same as the old auto auto industry, yes, in, in a way. <laughs> Um, So, you mentioned China earlier um, and supply chains, wanted to talk a little bit about China here. Uh, Earlier this month, the Chinese uh, Industry and Information Technology Minister uh, Xiao Yaqing, hopefully I said that right, uh, drew headlines saying China has, quote, too many electric vehicle makers and that the government would encourage consolidation. And This comes amid this big disruption we've seen in the tech sector in China following sudden government intervention. Should investors in Chinese EV companies have concerns around these government comments?
1: Well, the companies we look at, uh, companies like Neo, Xpeng, Li Auto, uh, BYD, those are the companies that that stand out from the crowd because they've had some success. They're they're shipping vehicles. They have happy customers. You know, their their sales are rising. Um, what is harder to see from the United States is there are like three hundred electric vehicle startups in China. Uh, many of which are nothing more than you know a shingle on a warehouse at this point. They never got anywhere. Uh, there was a period where subsidies from national and local authorities were quite, um, generous. And so a lot of people said, All right, we'll try it. Give us some subsidies. And, and I mean, there was some level of probably scam going on, but there were a lot of sincere efforts that just never got off the ground, uh, including some fairly large ones. Uh, to the extent they're encouraging consolidation, if I were an investor in, say, NEO, what I'd be worried about is that the government's going to put pressure on me. Um, to buy up some rivals that maybe I don't need what they've got, you know. So maybe it's a distraction. It's maybe not the best use of capital or so forth. Uh, I think I think for the companies again, the ones we talk about, this is going to be more bump on the road at most kind of stuff. Um, it, it 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 may even help them so- to some extent uh, from a Chinese consumer perspective. Uh, the thing to understand about the chinese auto market is every brand of auto you've ever heard of as a westerner is for sale in china plus a whole bunch of chinese brands that maybe you've never heard of uh, by clearing the field somewhat they can stand out more you know if we go from having three electric vehicle companies and 300 electric vehicles in china electric vehicle companies in china to having you know eight then the consumers know what they're buying and know you know who's got what, and they can see more clearly rather than it being overwhelming. So that could be good for a neo or an expang or a league.
0: Yep, we'll see what happens. I think anytime you have the government getting involved in you know business operations, it adds a level of unpredictability to a business that's already on the very uh, uh, cutting edge. So so we'll see what happens, and, and we'll be paying attention to that. Outside of this kind of government macro involvement, what are you paying attention to in China as far as EVs these days?
1: Well, what I'm watching right now is Xpang just began production of a new model. It's called the P5. It's a smaller sedan than their P7. Everybody's probably, if you have paid any attention to China electric vehicles at all, you've seen pictures of the P7. It's a really pretty, sleek sedan. Uh, the P5 is more stubby, more upright, not quite as pretty, but it starts after subsidies around $25,000, which is going to be very appealing to, in China. Uh, they have started production. They say deliveries begin next month. Uh, what I will be interested in to see is how well this does in the near term, uh, keeping in mind that rival Neo, uh, which is a company that a lot of us... Uh, have watched for a while in, in America. A lot of fools have been interested in it. NEO doesn't have any new models coming until next year. So, you know, their growth may level off a little bit uh, while well, X Bank steals some share with their new low cost, uh, presumably higher volume product. So, I'm going to watch that over the next couple of months and see how that starts to play out.
0: When uh, you know we see this growth of, of these new EV companies, you mentioned Xpeng, Neo. Uh, there, there's others. You know, as as someone who lives in North America, is there a credible route to, to these these vehicles, you know, being available for sale here, or is this still a China only story?
1: Uh, they're looking at Europe in some extent. I, you know, Norway got everybody's attention because that's the one country that has led the world in adoption of EVs. Uh, you know, Tesla had a lot of sales there. Ford is selling every Maki they can ship to Norway, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and, and and so Neo and XPeng have, have targeted this. I think XPeng has already delivered some cars in Norway, and and Neo is in the process of opening their business. They may have shipped their first shipment there. Um, so yeah, I, I think at some point later on they might try to come to America if they get a beachhead in Europe and can build that into a, a profitable, steady business. Uh, but at the same time, what we're seeing, what we're going to see over the next few years, is the avalanche of, of EVs from the established automakers who already have the production capacity, who already have the supplier relationships, who already have the, you know, the customer loyalties and so forth. Um, and that makes me think that what might not be on radars yet is some consolidation coming, both among legacy automakers and among these new entrants. Uh, I think I think we're headed for a shakeout. I mean, certainly there's, you know, as we talked about, there's one coming in China, but elsewhere as well. Is there room for... Uh, Nicola and you know Lucid and all of these other companies, Workhorse, Lordstown, that we've talked about for, for the last couple of years, uh, not all of these companies are going to make it, and it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, who the acquirers are and who the acquired become,
0: and if and
1: I think a shakeout is coming, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. That's my tag.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th- that is that is an interesting, uh, you know. Take here, I mean, especially because you see some of these, as we mentioned earlier, you've got Lucid coming out at evaluation that puts it up there with Ford and GM. Rivian coming out there, which makes me think about there was like what was like the Time Warner deal in like '99, where you had uh, was AOL Time Warner, where you had an acquisition it's like backwards from the way you would have expected from traditional uh traditional media maybe 5 10 years beforehand and maybe we see something like that play out in electric vehicles who knows it the, the fun thing about this is we're in this brave new world where uh you know we're pretty sure kind of what the future looks like but uh but who knows uh until we actually get there
1: yes exactly
0: john always enjoy having you on uh to talk about this and uh, can't wait to have you on again sometime soon thanks nick as always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For John Rosevier, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on!